we began this group uh, a little over three years ago uh, at the outset of the pandemic. One of the encouragements for practice that uh, from the outset I uh, made those coming to the group was to, to be aware of what was arising for you in terms of the various emotions and what we were feeling and what we were struggling with, uh, those different mental and emotional qualities that were arising for us, uh, some very specifically, of course, because of the pandemic uh, that were related to the pandemic. Of course, this practice of being aware of uh, these mental and emotional qualities that we're afflicted with uh, is, is essential in Buddhist practice. And it really is uh, epitomized uh, in the Buddhist teachings on the Four Noble Truths. The first noble truth is to comprehend uh, dukkha, to comprehend suffering. Uh, so in being aware of uh, these mental qualities, emotional qualities that we may be struggling with or afflicted with, we're really practicing in accord with the first noble truth. To comprehend, uh, to comprehend dukkha, to comprehend suffering. And of course, in comprehending dukkha, in comprehending suffering, uh, we're striving as Dhamma students for uh, a level of comprehension or wisdom, understanding that transcends an intellectual understanding. We may begin with some intellectual understanding, but uh, the kind of uh, understanding that we seek to develop is sometimes called a, a transcendent or liberating understanding. And the practice that right from the very beginning that, uh, you know, when we started this group and at, at the outside of the pandemic, at the outset of the pandemic that we've been practicing with this practice of awareness, bringing awareness to our experience, to our dukkha. Uh, and of course, we, we've been using this acronym ABC, Awareness, Breath, Compassion. This practice of bringing awareness very simple awareness to what's arising is a practice that uh, that conduces, that leads to uh, liberation. It's a way of developing understanding and wisdom that transcends intellectual understanding. So in this practice, we're asked to bring awareness to uh, our experience of dukkha when it arises our experience of suffering. Uh, you know, the word dukkha is, uh, uh, of course, uh, a word that, uh, you know, it's like all these, all these uh, understandings that we're developing, you know, they, they transcend an intellectual understanding, as I've said, so it's a word that doesn't translate out uh, perfectly into language. Uh, we're striving for understanding things on a deeper level in terms of the language of the heart, if you will. 
so dukkha is often translated as suffering. Uh, suffering is a tricky word, though, that can have certain implications of, you know, tremendous grief and anguish. Uh, Tanisaru Bhikkhu translates it often in his translations as stress. That can also have different kinds of uh, 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 connotations that may be limited. Uh, I like to think of dukkha as uh, the heart being blocked, the heart being blocked, or Ajahn Mahaboa, the Thai master, said the heart is in a squeeze. It's a state of affliction, right? It's a state in which we're afflicted. Uh, uh, the affliction might be quite blatant and, and quite, uh, quite pronounced, or it might be more subtle. There may be more subtle forms of uh, affliction. Sometimes we call that dis-ease or dissonance. Uh, so it's important, of course, to bring awareness to blatant, uh, blatant uh, afflict states of affliction and subtle states of affliction. Both uh, the uh, working with uh, subtle states. Uh, is very, very useful. And uh, one of the things that I want to do in this talk is encourage you to work with subtle states, to work with subtle states. Uh, learning to practice with subtle, subtle states is just as important uh, uh, and just as useful because wisdom is wisdom. Wisdom is wisdom. We're developing wisdom into how we suffer and how we block off from the heart. And we block off from the heart uh, in the same way with subtle states as we do with larger states. So the wisdom that we develop in working with subtle states is every bit as important in terms of liberation as the wisdom that we develop in working with more pronounced states, more blatant states. And it's often very difficult. You know, I think this came up in the class uh, last week, the week before. Uh, it's difficult to work with, you know, that are really strong states, emotional states. Uh, working with more subtle states uh, is uh, uh, often a, a, a more uh, advantageous opportunity to develop wisdom because we're able to uh, get more space from these states so that there can be understanding. Subtle states are harder to work with because uh, they're subtle, and we may be less inclined to notice them. Yeah. I mean, I always tell the story of how, uh, you know, a year or two into my practice, three years into my practice, it probably was a little longer. You know, there was, I was, I was, you know, it's a typical New York City story. You know, I was, I had to catch the, I, had to, I was late for something, right? And I needed to get the bus, and I was like, you know, I was walking quickly to the bus stop, and the bus was there. You know, and then I started to run, you know, and the, you know, stop, wait, wait for me. You know, and of course the bus pulled away and I was pissed off, you know, and I was angry, you know, that damn bus driver. And I was like, oh, there's anger. It was like the first time I really ever, or it was like the first time I realized I had realized it at least, you know, it's like, oh, that's anger. You know, I kind of brought awareness, oh, there's anger. You know, at the beginning, I was kind of really only able to notice those kinds of very uh, blatant states, but that was a start. 
that was a start, you know, for somebody who for, you know, the first three or four decades of his life never noticed any emotional states, or at least, you know, brought awareness to them in a way that uh, was ostensibly conducive to understanding. Uh, you know, over time, you know, through concentration practice, uh, I learned to develop an awareness of more subtle states. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, and of course learned to understand the importance of being aware of more subtle states. So learn to practice with subtle states. I mean, anxiety can be a subtle state. I mean, you know, subtle states, just because they're subtle, I mean, you know, really what that means more than anything is that uh, their physical representation is subtle. You know, their karmic uh, implication might be quite deep and profound. You know, it's actually maybe more deep and profound than that anger, you know, which is kind of a one, you know, a one-off thing to some extent with the bus. You know, that state of, you know, subtle stress or anxiety might have a deeper karmic implication, but it's more subtle in terms of its physical representation. So, uh, you know, anxiety is one state, but, you know, there's these states that are really useful to bring awareness to that I don't think we think about, oh, I should bring awareness to this, like disappointment. You know, something happens, you were supposed to do something, you were supposed to get together with a friend, you know, they call up, hey, I can't do it. Uh, you feel a little disappointment. It's kind of a subtle state. T tends not to be the kind of thing that we might bring awareness to, but these are really important and useful, very useful in terms of developing wisdom. Uh, you know, states to, oh, there's, there's, there's disappointment, and just bring awareness to that. Very useful to bring awareness to these states. Oh, there's disappointment. You know, it's like this feels like this. You know, just bring that simple awareness to disappointment and then to the breath and compassion for yourself. See if we can cultivate compassion for ourselves. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, it might be a state of judgment, you know, a more subtle state of judgment you could bring awareness to, or, uh, you know, a, a subtle state of worry, uh, or you know, different forms of dissatisfaction, right? You know, there's these different kinds of dissatisfaction that we feel, uh, you know, on a fairly regular base, basis is actually a term in Buddhism uh, for this propensity that we have for uh, dissatisfaction with things of the way they are, uh, this, this, this ongoing and persistent uh, uh, dissatisfaction, the term in Buddhism is perpetual dissatisfaction, you know, so, you know, even, you know, in the course of this day, you know, you might have already had certain experiences of, you know, dissatisfaction that may have been more subtle. So it's that, you know, that quality of, you know, I don't like this, something is wrong, I want it to be a little different, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so, uh, you know, it all, it all comes down to uh, the ways, of course, that we're preoccupied with conditioned things. You know, all of our stresses uh, and our, our dukkha uh, comes from uh, wanting conditioned things to be a certain way or not wanting them to be the way that they are. There's this dissatisfaction with conditioned things. Sometimes it's more blatant, sometimes it's more subtle.
preoccupation with conditioned things invariably conduces to dissatisfaction and more blatant forms of stress because conditioned things are inherently unsatisfactory. Unsatisfactory, so they're always going to uh, uh, lead to us being dissatisfied with them to the extent that we're preoccupied with them and to, to the extent that we look to condition things for happiness. So, to bring awareness to uh, to, where, to bring awareness to states of affliction, uh, you know, that is the practice that we've we work with as, as, as Dhamma students, a practice that we've talked about so much to bring awareness to our experience of affliction, if it's blatant or if it's subtle, if it's anger, if it's worry, if it's disappointment, if it's dissatisfaction, if it's judgment, uh, if it's uh, you know, apprehension, you know, all the different things that we might feel that uh, cause the heart to be afflicted and blocked, put a squeeze on the heart. So. Of course, in being aware of uh, these experiences, uh, these states of affliction, uh, what we're asked is to be aware of these experiences in real time, you know, as they're arising in real time. I always love the term the Buddha uses, according to reality. So uh, it's not about after the fact analyzing these states, right? It's about when they arise in real time, bringing awareness just for a second. Oh, there's dissatisfaction. Oh, there's confusion. There's confusion with what he's saying. Oh, there's a little bit of worry. It just came up about something I have to do later on. Yeah. So noticing that in real time. Let me bring awareness to that for a moment, for a second. Not even a second. Let me bring awareness to that. Oh, it's like this. This is worry. This is confusion. Breath, compassion. Uh, you know, our ability to notice things in real time is a function of concentration. So the more we develop concentration, the ability to be present, to be in the present moment, which really means to be in the body, the more we uh, develop the quality of equanimity, which is one of the factors of concentration, uh, we're able to notice experience when it arises with some space. So. You know, again, our ability to uh, be able to practice awareness, uh, to be able to bring awareness to our experience in real time is going to be dependent on the degree to which we develop our meditation. We develop uh, the qualities of concentration and meditation and maintain them in the course of our days. So we're seeking to just bring simple awareness to experience when it arises. Uh, if it's a mental or emotional and afflictive state, to what, what we're striving for is, is just a simple awareness, just a, what I would call a simple awareness of just being aware of the experience as it's arisen, as a felt experience in the body that feels like something. Right? So just awareness, just awareness. Uh, you know, and that's, you know, that in, in large part is our challenge. Can we be aware of the experience? Can we bring awareness to the experience and just leave it at that? So that there's just awareness. 
So uh, I've been noticing how, uh, you know, something arises and I bring awareness to it. Oh, there's anxiety, you know, and then there's a reaction in the mind. Ah, damn, there's anxiety again. You know, damn, there's anxiety. Ah, I don't like this anxiety. Oh, I don't want this. But now you're reacting. Now you've moved away from just awareness to the, there's a reaction to it, right? So, you know, this is like really important, right? What we're learning, you know, you may see, okay, there's a reaction. There's damn, I don't want this. Maybe you can see that and then just bring it back to the experience and just try to be it with it just the way that it is. So, you know, this is equanimity. Equanimity is a state of non-reactivity, right? You're just aware of the experience. You're not reacting to it. Yeah. So this is all part of the training. This is all part of, you know, we're real, I'm digging into this, right? I'm digging into this particular skill. It's a skill. So, you know, we're asked uh, in bringing awareness to, uh, you know, have a non-reactive relationship to the experience, uh, you know, and, 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 and that also includes not analyzing it, and that's something that we've talked about a lot, you know, we're just aware of the experience as it's arisen, as a felt sense in the body, we're aware of what it feels like, but we're not analyzing it, we're not using the, the intellectual mind, in other words, to try to understand it, we're not trying to fix it, we're not trying to get rid of it. We're just observing it with space, right? We're just observing it with space for a second or a half a second, you know, or two seconds. Two seconds is a lot. After a couple of seconds, the space kind of closes down. There's usually a little window when we're able to be aware of something uh, in uh, a non-reactive uh, way you know, with space. So we're observing the experience with space. Again, that space is a function of equanimity. So there's space, there's non-reactivity. Non-reactivity. It's a good way to think about what equanimity is, or at least part of what equanimity is. It's a quality of non-reactivity. So we're striving, you know. I don't mind that word striving because it means that, you know, we're in a process. We're in a process. We're in a process in which we're moving towards pure awareness. Pure awareness. You know, when equanimity is, is fully developed, it, 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 uh, it, it, there, there's, a, there's a quality vis-a-vis -vis our experience of pure awareness. Or we have awareness of our experience that's unimpeded by uh, the mind and different mental reactions and different ways that the mind is trying to relate to the experience. You know, when there's equanimity, when equanimity is fully developed, there's pure awareness, pure awareness. It's like, you know, it's like a cup of water with no impurities in it. Yeah. You know, our, our minds tend to be like, you know, the sky in New, in New York City a few days ago, you know, filled with clouds smoke, right? You know, we're striving for equanimity, that quality of, of pure awareness in the mind. But that's, you know, it takes time. We're developing concentration, so we have that ability to be able to look at things this way.
So we're just aware of things just the way they are. Oh, this is dissatisfaction. This is disappointment. This is what it's like. This is what it feels like. This is what anxiety feels like. It's like this. The Thai, the Thai uh, Ajahn, uh, Ajahn Sumedha uses that term. It's like this. It's like this. Disappointment. It's like this. Worry. It's like this. Anger. Oh, it's like this. Desire. Oh, it's like this. Apprehension. It's like this. This is what it feels like. So when we're able to do this, when we're able in those couple of seconds to bring awareness to our experience and the awareness is to some extent unimpeded by, you know, the, the minds uh, wanting to comment or do something about it, when we can bring awareness to our experience like this, uh, you know, in that moment of awareness or those few moments or seconds of awareness, uh, you know, when there's equanimity, uh, we're freed of clinging to the experience. So there's this little window when there's an absence of clinging. There's an absence of clinging or an abatement of clinging. Um, so, so, you know, this is a very, you know, and this, this is really, a, a, you know, an important element of the wisdom that we're developing. We're starting to develop this wisdom into what it's like when there isn't clinging. We're also, you know, we're, let me pull back from that even, we're developing uh, wisdom into the understanding that there can be objects like anxiety and aversion and worry, and there doesn't have to be clinging to them. You know? So we're beginning to see, okay, you know, there's the object and the clinging to it, and then if we can pull back from it and just be aware of it, and there's just awareness, and there's that little bit of space, in that space of awareness, there's an absence of clinging, we see the potential for non-clinging, and we begin to see what it's like when we're not clinging to an experience. That's usually, of course, just a small window of just a moment or two, right? When there's some space, right? We've all experienced this, right? We've all experienced this when you've brought awareness to something and there's that little bit of space and there's an abatement of clinging. You know, it's just that little window of a moment or a few moments. That window is, you know, that's, 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 that's the window when you develop insight, you know? So, you know, see what it's like, you know, this is, this is our practice, to see what it's like when there is space, when there is awareness. See what it's like in that space when there's an absence of clinging. So what we want to learn to do is to begin to see what it's like when we're not binded to an experience like worry or sadness or disappointment or dissatisfaction. And to see our potential to be unbinded from it. So this, of course, you know, I'm talking a lot about this. Uh, you know, I'm guiding you toward how to pay attention to your experience. Uh, you know, uh, you know, this isn't something that you can figure out intellectually, right? You know, what I'm talking about is something that you have to see for yourself by bringing awareness to your experience and seeing what it's like in that moment of awareness when you're not holding on. Oh, this is what it's like to not hold on. 
this is what it's like to not hold on. Oh, I have the potential not to hold on. So we're learning, right? We're learning to see what it's like when we're unbinded, when we're not clinging, when there's just awareness. We're learning to see what it's like when we're free from holding on. We're learning to see what it's like when there's an absence of dukkha. In this moment of awareness, you know, to the degree to which the awareness is unimpeded by the thinking mind, you know, there's an absence of clinging and a letting go, if only for a moment, a letting go of our preoccupation with conditioned things, a letting go, if only for a moment, of our preoccupation from conditioned things. So this, this state in which we're not holding on is known as cessation. This is actually the duty of the third noble truth, right? To recognize cessation. So we're starting to see what it's like when there's a cessation, an abatement of clinging. So this is a very important element of our practice to see what this is like. We learn to see this quality of cessation, this quality of freedom. Freedom is freedom from clinging. We learn to see this quality of stillness, of peace, of peace. So the state of cessation, this quality of cessation is, is what's known as nibbana, nibbana or nirvana, nibbana. It's a state in which we have uh, let go of what we're holding on to, we're no longer holding on. You know, in that moment or so of awareness, you know, there's a, a letting go, an abatement of holding on, there's a quality of cessation. The word nibbana, uh, uh, one of the meanings of it is the putting out of a fire. So typically, it's like, as the Buddha says in the fire sermon, our senses are on fire, the mind is on fire with clinging. You know, nibbana is the putting out of the fire, the putting out of the fire. You know, so uh, in uh, moments of awareness, we come to know cessation, we come to know, we have a little bit of a glimpse of nibbana. If you think about that metaphor, of course, it's a very interesting metaphor because, you know, I mean, the fire is something that's quite dramatic and pronounced, right? You know, and, you know, we tend to incline towards the dramatic and the pronounced, and we may be inclined to believe that uh, uh, freedom uh, or nibbana is, is, a, is a dramatic state, a state of ecstasy, right? I always thought, and I I still kind of would like it to be that way, perhaps, that, you know, the state of cessation or nibbana is a state of ecstasy, an ecstatic state. But if you think about the metaphor, it's a state in which there's a putting out of the fire. So it's a st actually a state that's very quiet. That's very quiet. Uh, it's a very quiet state, a state of stillness, a state of peace. State of peace. 
In fact, it's so quiet and so uh, still that in order to know it, we have to be very quiet. We have to be very still in order to know that silence. We practice meditation so that we can develop an inner silence, an inner stillness, an inner stillness so that we can know, so that we can know the state of of bliss, of, of, of peace. Through meditation, we're training to be very quiet, to be very still, so that we can know the deep stillness and silence that is peace, so that we can hear the silence, so that we can hear the silence, so that we can know peace. So in practicing ABC, we bring awareness to our experience we bring uh, awareness to these afflictive states and then we go to the breath, that's for a second or two, and then we go to the breath, which helps us maintain a degree of space and non-reactivity and non-affliction. And in this space of awareness that we sort of maintain with, to some extent with the breath, this space of stillness and silence, we're able to perhaps connect to the heart and the quality of compassion because you can only connect to the heart fully, you know, when there is stillness, when there is, uh, when there is a quality of, uh, of freedom from those afflictive states, then we're able to really connect into the heart and to compassion. So the breath helps us maintain that space so that we can uh, connect to that quality of compassion so our task is to know peace, to know this state of sublime happiness that is peace, this place of silence, and to live from this place of silence, to live from the heart. So we all have this capacity to see when we're preoccupied with conditioned things. Now, I wouldn't give this teaching if I didn't think that you can do it. It's as simple as ABC, simple as ABC. Just practice bringing awareness to your experience. The more you develop concentration, the more you develop equanimity through those hours on the cushion, the more you'll be able to have some space when you bring awareness to these states. But you have to practice doing this. We all have the capacity to see when we're preoccupied with conditioned things, to see when we're in an afflictive state, in an afflictive state, to bring awareness to it. We all have the capacity for awareness. Everybody here has the capacity for awareness. You know, this is a gift that you all have as a human being. Everybody here has it. Everybody here has the capacity to, to be for awareness. But you have to use your potential. You know, because you have this capacity for, your, for awareness, you have the capacity to unbind from that which you're holding on to. You have the capacity to not hold on. So we're learning to see this. We're learning to see our potential for awareness and our potential for not holding on, our potential for letting go. We have the capacity to know what it's like when we're not holding on, when we let go. So we're beginning to touch into and know this potential. We have the capacity to know Nibbana, that state of peace, of freedom from holding on, that state of true happiness, true happiness. 
So we're developing these capacities. And through this practice of awareness, we develop these capacities. We're developing our potential. You know, the more we develop this capacity, the more we let go, the more we know true happiness. So let's just close our eyes for a second.